This is Business Breakdowns. Business Breakdowns is a series of conversations with investors and operators diving deep into a single business. For each business, we explore its history, its business model, its competitive advantages, and what makes it tick. We believe every business has lessons and secrets that investors and operators can learn from, and we are here to bring them to you. To find more episodes of Breakdowns, check out joincolossus.com. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions. Hosts and podcast guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This is Matt Russell, and today we're breaking down Diploma. Diploma is a specialist distributor of medical equipment and industrial components listed in the UK. It's a business you're unlikely to be familiar with, and at first glance may appear mundane. But when you dig a little deeper, you'll find a high-quality operator generating significant free cash flow through a mix of organic and inorganic growth channels. To break down Diploma, I'm joined by Charlie Huggins, an investor in the business and head of equities at Wealth Club. So, Charlie, I thought a nice place to start would be with just a basic history of Diploma, what they do, size and scale, and what originally attracted you to their business model. Diploma is a business I've been following for the best part of a decade. In my view, it is one of the highest quality businesses listed on the UK stock market. I think it's under the radar of most investors. It's a distributor of industrial and life sciences products. It's highly diversified by geography, sector, and market. So US and Europe are about 40% each of sales, and then developed markets make up the remainder like Canada and Australasia. It's got three main sectors, controls, seals, and life sciences, which I know probably won't mean a great deal, but I'll drill into that later. Those end markets across each of those sectors are quite different, but there are three common themes that connect them. So firstly, the products that Diploma supplies are very low cost, but critical to the end application. That is a key part of its business model. It's very focused on low cost, but critical components. The Secondly, the products are funded by customers' operating budgets, not capital budgets. That lends a large degree of recurring or repeat income. It makes it quite a resilient business, despite some of the end markets appearing quite cyclical. Thirdly, it's a value-add distributor. So it's earns high teens, EBIT margins, and returns on capital close to 20% for the best part of two decades. Another thing to say about Diploma is it's highly decentralized. Don't think of Diploma as being one big business with two and a half thousand staff. Think of it as being 30 to 40 small businesses, each with tens or maybe a few hundred employees. Each of these businesses acting largely independently, run by separate CEOs who own the PL for their own business. That culture, again, has been a key part of diploma success. We see it in other businesses such as Berkshire Hathaway, Constellation Software, Danaher, whatever. That huge degree of decentralization that leads to a highly agile entrepreneurial culture, a lot of autonomy. So that has been critical to diploma success. And Charlie, where do they stand today just in terms of market capitalization? How big have they become? Market capitalization is about $3 billion. Although diploma has generated a lot of growth shareholder return has been very, very strong over the last 15 years. It's still quite a small business at £3 billion. It has a small share of its total market, so tremendous scope to expand further. Operating profit of around £150 revenue of 
about £787 million. And as I said, very high teens operating margins, high teens return on capital, and broadly diversified between these three sectors of control, seals, and life sciences. In terms of the history which you asked about, acquisitions have played a really key role in Diploma's success. In my view, Diploma is one of the best acquirers I've ever come across. It's gone through a slightly strange history. So it's incorporated in 1931, listed on London Stock Exchange in 1960. Through the 60s, 70s and 80s, it started to acquire a number of industrial businesses. It built up three leading positions in three core areas, all in the UK, electronic component distribution, building products and speciality steels. But all of those three businesses basically went through a big downturn in the late 90s simultaneously. So that was a real bad event for the business. Not only that, those three core areas that it was in were all in structural decline. So it wasn't like a temporary downturn or anything. So there was a big restructuring around that time. A new acquisition program was started. And then over the three years from 98 to 2001, 10 businesses were sold. Some of the proceeds from that were then reinvested into new acquisitions and they then focused a lot more on acquiring highly resilient value-add businesses. So basically, once bitten, twice shy is a phrase that springs to mind here. They learned the lessons. They went out and acquired much better businesses from that period on. That was under Bruce Thompson, who ran the business for over two decades from 1996 to 2018. So most of what you see in Diploma today is due to Bruce Thompson's, a lot of his capital allocation decisions, firstly in disposing of the highly challenged businesses from the late 90s, and then going out and acquiring these high quality businesses that make up the group as you see it today. Maybe we can drill down into the verticals they've been attacking as of late. So seals, controls, life sciences. Can you give us a better understanding of what those businesses are really characterized by? I'll start off on the life sciences because that's a bit separate to the controls and seals. It's not obviously industrial focus, it's healthcare focus. So that's 20% of sales, mainly Canada, Europe, and Australasia. Now here, Diploma has long-term, so these can be up to 10-year agreements, exclusive, largely exclusive agreements with manufacturers of healthcare instruments and consumables, which are sold into hospitals and into laboratories hospital laboratories and standalone laboratories. About 50% of divisional sales come from diagnostics and about 50% is sold into a surgical setting. So things like endoscopy instruments, ophthalmics, cardiology. The key thing with this business, as I said, is that the suppliers are willing to sign up to exclusive agreements. Now, why is that? The key reason really is the small size of these medical suppliers. So we're not talking here about the Johnson & Johnsons or the Danahers. This is small and mid-sized medical manufacturers who don't have their own distribution networks, or at least not in the countries that Diploma is serving. Another reason they sign up to exclusive agreements is geography. In the US, most of these medical suppliers would probably go direct because you've got a huge market, first of all. You've got a large customer base. If you think about a market like Canada, much smaller market, much more challenging to serve. So big territory relative to the population, two languages, et cetera. It's not really worth most suppliers setting up infrastructure, service engineers, salespeople in that country. So Diploma employs specialist salespeople, service personnel to go into the hospitals, helps them source the products they need, shows them how to use it. So Diploma is basically doing a lot of the legwork for these medical manufacturers who don't want to distribute themselves into those countries. 
And consumables is about two-thirds of divisional revenue, very stable instrumentation and servicing make up the remainder. So overall, that's a very steady sector. Not a lot of competition because a lot of these small and mid-sized suppliers are signing up to exclusive agreements. And have they been growing healthcare and life sciences as a focus area for the company? It's one of the three focus areas. I don't think that they're any more focused on life sciences than they are on seals or controls, but they have been growing. They have been expanding out more into Europe and scaling their existing positions in Canada and Australia. Adding new suppliers all the time is a good way for them to grow. So they've been operating in this area for a number of years. It's very steady. It lends a good degree of resilience to the group compared to the other two sectors, which tend to be a bit more cyclical. But I expect they'll continue to expand into new geographies and expand out their existing ones. Maybe this is a good opportunity to transition to those cyclical businesses. Controls and seals, the intuition is that these would be lower quality businesses, but they've proven very additive to diploma. Maybe better explain what the focus is in those verticals. It's a good point. I mean, you look at them on the surface and you think, What are they actually doing that's value add in these areas in controls and seals? I'll try and explain that because I think if anything, controls and seals, although they're more cyclical, maybe even be higher quality than life sciences. Controls is the most diverse sector. So that's about 45% of sales, highly diverse. So diploma supplies a range of industrial components. So wiring, cabling, connectors, fasteners into a range of different sectors and end markets. So things like aerospace, defense, Formula One cars, energy, medical, renewable energy, food and beverage. Diploma is a collection of a large number of different businesses and each one will maybe attack one of these different verticals. It's supplying products that are generally used in refurbishment, upgrade and maintenance programs for equipment that's already in service. And the applications are all highly technically demanding. Diploma will employ specialist qualified engineers to work with its customers to provide bespoke solutions to whatever problems they're facing. If it's sold into an airplane, for example, the wiring or cabling needs to be X number of millimeters thick and it needs to be this length and it needs to be this much resistant to pressure or whatever it is that's required. Diploma will work on a very bespoke toing and froing between the customer and with Diploma's engineers to provide a highly technical sale. So that's the sort of value add component that comes into the controls. Seals is a bit different. So that's about a third of sales. It's probably just worth saying what a seal actually is because it probably doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people. Seals are basically found in industrial machinery at the interfaces between components to prevent leakage and hold pressure. For example, you find a seal at the interface between a bolt and a screw. They don't look like very much, but they are critical to the smooth functioning of the machinery. The seals division is split into two main parts. There's an aftermarkets division, which has a big US presence, which sells to machinery repair shops. And then the second strand of the division is selling to the original equipment manufacturers themselves, so likes of John Deere and Caterpillar. The US market business serves repair shops for heavy mobile machinery. Think of a big piece of Caterpillar equipment that you find on a typical construction site. If that equipment breaks, it gets taken to a local repair shop. The repair shop will then order seals that it requires from Diploma, usually just online, and it'll turn up the next day. Now, the key thing to bear in mind with that is just the sheer cost of the machinery. You might be looking at a piece of Caterpillar kit that's worth, you know, $600,000. You don't want that equipment standing idle for any length of time because it's costing you money. The key USP that Diploma will offer is it stocks tens of thousands of these seals 
whatever the repair shop needs on any given day, it's very likely that they'll have it. So Diploma has a massive store of inventory of these seals. There's tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of these seals. So it's quite a complex, fragmented market. So huge store of inventory delivered on a next day basis. That's what Diploma offers. Think of it really as the Amazon of seals. And the key driver of demand there is construction and infrastructure activity, which of course is cyclical. But because Diploma is supplying the aftermarket, it's supplying equipment already in service, not new equipment. As long as that machinery has been operated, it will break. And that lends a degree of resilience to that business. So you've talked about inventory being a competitive advantage for the business and obviously great for customer offering. But I just wonder what the implications are in the working capital of Diploma. You talk about returns on capital, ROICs that are quite impressive, but there seems like there could be a fair amount of capital intensity here in the business. What does that look like in something like their SEALs segment where inventory is that competitive advantage and major customer offering? Diploma does turn its inventory quickly. There's, there's certain lines, certain SEALs that are more common, and obviously it will stock more of those. But it does need to stock a big range of SEALs, and that does lend a degree of capital intensity to the business. But because of its sheer size, this is quite a niche area serving the aftermarket. In the US, Diploma will have a big share. It doesn't disclose exactly what its share is, but it's a big share. So it's able to have that broad range of inventory, which perhaps other competitors wouldn't. So there are other competitors. The more commoditized distributors like WW Granger will sell the most common seals. There's some smaller competitors that, again, will stock a certain number of seals, but not others. So you do need that scale to be able to stock the full range, which is what Diploma offers. That's a key part of its competitive advantage. It still earns very, very high return on capital, that division. Yeah, it's interesting because the equity markets seem to have fallen in love with these B2B distribution businesses. I think of Diploma as one, but then in the US, you have Fast and All, Granger. You've mentioned food distribution, automated auto parts. These are businesses that are truly loved, and it's indicative at the multiples that they trade at. What is it that allows these businesses continue to grow and redeploy capital at such high rates of return? Diploma in particular, it seems like they've built a particular strength with an M&A playbook. What is it that characterizes a strong acquisition target for them? Maybe if we come to M&A in a bit, if we focus on just the core businesses, why are they so strong? I think that value-add component, they're not just distributing, they are providing value-add services. So for example, in the life sciences division, you're not just supplying a life sciences consumable or instrument or whatever. The sales process is often highly technical. They've got people in the operating theater showing surgeons how to use the product providing advice on new applications. And as I said before, that is mainly exclusive relationships with suppliers, meaning hospitals and labs basically have to go to Diploma to get those products. The SEALs division, customers will often know what they want in terms of the repair shops, whatever, the next day delivery. The differentiating factor, as I said, is the ability to stock a very wide range of SEALs and to get the SEAL to the customer as quickly as possible. A repair shop might have might order four different seals for four different bits of machinery on any given day. The next day, it receives a single package with instructions showing exactly where each seal goes on the machine. It sounds simple to say it, but actually to do that is very, very difficult. Because the machinery is so expensive, it needs to happen quickly and it needs to be exactly the right seal for the application. And then, as I said, in controls, highly technical sale, supplying bespoke components that are maybe cut to length or according to the customer's requirements. So I think that's the first point. 
Diploma is not just a distributor. It's a value-add distributor. Second point, scale. Diploma scale means that it gets preferential treatment from its suppliers. It can negotiate preferential terms because suppliers know they're going to get repeat orders. That means prices are very competitive and it can earn higher margins than its peers. But the advantage isn't just price. If there's a shortage of components in the market, suppliers will prioritize their best customers. And that means Diploma is first in line and can maintain a very wide inventory, often when competitors can't. And obviously, at the moment, that's quite a big, quite an important point with the supply shortages that we're seeing. So that typically allows Diploma to gain market share following market dislocations. And we saw that in the SEALs business in the financial crisis. In 2009, the SEALs business underlying sales were down 21%. Obviously, that was a big construction-led downturn, which impacted them. But in 2010, their sales were up 20%, and in 2011, up 26%. So it bounced back really, really strongly. And a big part of that was the ability to maintain such a wide inventory of seals during that time and get preferential treatment from its suppliers. The other point, low-cost products, but essential and critical. You see that with many other businesses. The price, yes, is important, but it's not as important as I've got a 500 grand piece of Caterpillar machinery laying idle and I need that component. So it all becomes who can supply that component the quickest. And maybe some of those other companies you mentioned there can also do that is can they supply the components to the customer for the quickest, even if they have to pay an extra 20 quid, $20 for overnight delivery or whatever, can they get it to me? And Diploma can in most part. And then that decentralized culture, distinct businesses, each with their own MDs, very close to customers, able to make quick decisions. These relationships have been sustained over decades in many instances. So fast decision-making, agility, responsiveness is also a key part of that value-add proposition. Maybe we can go through the value chain of one of the verticals, thinking upstream, who's the manufacturer of the part, whether it's branded or not. And then from Diploma's perspective, obviously having a wide range of inventory in the critical parts that the customers need down to the OEM or the manufacturer that actually uses the part. That's the important thing to the customer base. I'm just trying to get a better sense of where they sit in the ecosystem and how they have the negotiating leverage in different parts of the transaction. In terms of life sciences, maybe, I don't know whether that would be the easiest to understand that Diploma are basically a middleman there. The suppliers, maybe it's supplying instruments that get used in an endoscopy procedure. These manufacturers, small to mid-sized manufacturer, wants to get into the Canadian healthcare market, doesn't have any presence in the Canadian healthcare market, looks for who are the biggest suppliers of medical instruments into the Canadian hospitals. Ah, diploma, okay. Is there anyone else? Well, there's a few smaller guys who do that, but not many. So Diploma will then go to that supplier, or maybe it'll work the other way around. Maybe it's Diploma talks to some of its customers and says, is there anything that you need in your day-to-day operating theater that you don't currently have? And the customer will say, well, for this particular procedure, I've heard about this new instrument that would be really helpful. Is there any chance you can source it? So Diploma, by having these very long-term relationships with its customers and with different suppliers, adding new suppliers all the time, can go and find the supplier that the hospital has requested, find that supplier, and then distribute the component for that supplier. But it's a middleman. Diploma is not manufacturing those components itself, not like a Danaher or whatever. It's a very, very important touch point between that supplier and the customer. In terms of how the margins work, 
diploma might buy a component for 63p in the pound and sell it for a pound. So gross margin of about 37%. Distribution and admin costs another 18p in the pound. So then that gives you your 19 pence of operating profit out of every pound. So that's how the uh, P&L would look as due to that relationship. And we alluded a bit to the M&A playbook before. Can you help us understand the multiple arbitrage that occurs when they make acquisitions and why they're able to essentially acquire the low multiple and realize a higher one? It is a key hallmark of, of Diploma's business model is its ability to acquire on single digits EBIT multiples for the most part. So most of its acquisitions are probably 100 million and below. And a lot of those acquisitions will be sort of 20, 30, 40, 50 million, maybe even 10 million pounds. Partly it's a function of size. For some of the bigger deals, it will have to pay more. So typically a double-digit EBIT multiple we saw with the recent deal that it did, Windy City Wire, that it paid about, I think, 11 and a half times EBIT. But most of the deals it's done have been in that high single-digit EBIT range. For deals of that size, that does tend to be less competition from private equity, etc. There's not necessarily a natural trade buyer for these sorts of assets because the markets are quite niche. I think that also limits competition. The other thing to bear in mind is that Diploma typically acquires direct from the vendor. So it doesn't engage in big auctions or anything like that. It's typically, it's acquiring private businesses. It's courting those businesses for a number of years often. And it's got a very good reputation in terms of when the businesses are under the Diploma umbrella, it doesn't destroy them. It lets them run largely independent. And that's very attractive to certain businesses. For those that just want a really high price and run an auction, Diploma is just not going to go there. But it's already got, say, 30, 40 different businesses under its umbrella. They're looking out all the time for acquisition targets that can maybe fed up to HQ. So it's got lots of eyes on the ground as well as the CEO and and its own M&A team at HQ. It's got eyes on the ground all the time. And it's got a huge number of targets to go after because its markets are very fragmented. And plus having those three quite distinct sectors, there's just no shortage to choose from. So I think that's another reason why it manages to get well-priced acquisitions in such a wide funnel. And then those ones that are going to be more expensive or whatever, they can just pass on, probably pass on a lot more than they do, put it that way. And there's two pieces to the acquisition. You have the price you pay negotiating the deal, and then you have the post-close integration. And in that post-close portion, you want to attract synergies, You want to support some type of qualitative and quantitative return such that the business you acquired should trade at the multiple that your business trades at today. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the playbook of integration and how they're able to extract those synergies of what they're acquiring. Well, first of all, the type of businesses they go after are already good quality businesses providing essential value-add solutions. They are very disciplined around this. They're not chasing turnaround situations or whatever. So it's not the case that they acquire something and then suddenly it goes from being a bad business to a great one. They stick to what are the highest quality businesses we can find. That's the first point. But then once they find these businesses and purchase them, they do help them. So I do think it's a two plus two equals five sort of scenario. They will invest more often. Sometimes these private businesses are quite capital constrained. Maybe they could expand, they need another warehouse or they need more distribution. Diploma can invest and does invest in businesses once they are acquired. 
it will professionalize them. Sometimes accounting, et cetera, of these private businesses is quite just not very professional, quite basic. They will professionalize them. They provide other personnel, maybe from outside the group that can help them. And there's also cross-sell opportunities. So for example, customers or suppliers that from other parts of the group can be introduced to the newly acquired business. For the smaller acquisitions, sometimes Diploma will integrate them more, do more integration, maybe manage them as clusters, maybe close down a warehouse and consolidate a warehouse with another company that it owns. It depends. In the main, they're reasonably separate, but sometimes it can extract more synergies through combining back office operations. And of course, all the back office, the finance and stuff is handled by Diploma itself. It's fair to say that these businesses are worth more under Diploma. The other reason it's trades at a higher multiple is just that you've got a 3 billion market cap publicly listed company compared to a 10 million pound or 20 million pound private business. The liquidity difference is huge. Basically, you're outsourcing your capital to Diploma to say, can you go and find some of these private businesses and, and acquire them for me? And that's also a big part of the difference in multiple, I think. It's a fair point. The diversity and scale of the business allows them to have that lower cost of capital. You're de-risking the overall base of the business. And thus, in making acquisitions at low multiples, it's indicative of that cost of capital advantage combined with the operating process of the business. I mean, I think you said it there as well. Diversity is a really good point. So you've got all of these businesses that themselves are highly specialized. I don't know about you, but I love businesses that are highly specialized because it tends to mean that they're very good at what they do and they wake up every day and they think about how can they improve it and they go to bed thinking about seals and they wake up thinking about seals and that's all great, highly specialized. But because you've got so many of them under one umbrella, you've got the diversity that comes with that because obviously the risk with the highly specialized business is what if a competitor comes in and eats your lunch or what if seals are disrupted and no longer required? I mean, I can't think that that will happen, but you never know. That's the risk with a specialist business. But within Diploma, you've got 30 to 40 highly specialized businesses all in one group that provides a huge level of diversity, but with the benefits of specialism. Those specialist businesses are great innovators, ferocious defenders of their markets, but things sometimes go wrong. So having that diverse exposure is really nice. And that's what you get. And with any serial acquirer, a management team is very important to that story. We haven't really spent much time talking about this management team. Maybe give us a sketch of who they are, what that career arc has looked like, and how long they've been with the business. Bruce Thompson ran the business for over two decades, and he left in 2018, which left a little bit of a void at the top of Diploma. You know, he'd been there so long. He'd done a fantastic job. Who was going to come in and replace him? And they went out and they hired a guy called Richard Ingram to replace Bruce Thompson. And he lasted less than four months and then he was let go. I actually saw that and thought, that's good. They've let him go. He wasn't right. There was a cultural mismatch. Diploma has this fairly unique one, not totally unique, but a fairly unusual decentralized entrepreneurial culture, certainly a far cry from the typical corporate bureaucratic culture. Ingram was previously president of the detection business at Smith's Group, which is another UK listed conglomerate type business. My impression is that his background was very corporate. His style didn't really fit into Diploma's highly decentralized model. So they let him go. And that was great. The board acted. They didn't want bureaucracy to seep in. They realized they made a mistake. They let him go. Of course, that still left them with 
who to run the company. Thankfully, the second appointment that they've made, to my mind, has been highly successful. So they went out and recruited Johnny Thompson. He joined in early 2019. He's still there. He's been in the role for just over three years. He was formerly finance director at Compass Group, the contract caterer. Compass is another business I've followed for quite some time, has quite a decentralized entrepreneurial culture, not dissimilar to Diploma in some ways, not very corporate, not very bureaucratic. So Thompson, Johnny Thompson, understood the organizational structure and the benefits of retaining that organizational structure. So I think that's one of the reasons that his appointment has worked. I'm a big fan of Johnny Thompson, the CEO. I think he's just what Diploma needs to take it to the next level. He's a Scotsman, very no-nonsense, ambitious, but not reckless, understands exactly what the group needs to do to fulfill its potential. And it, to my mind, has already done a lot of things to improve Diploma. So He's instilled a lot more collaboration between the independent businesses. So they're still independently run, but they talk to each other more. They share learnings, et cetera. They didn't really do that before. In terms of M&A, greater willingness to pay up for M&A targets. So I said earlier, Diploma typically will pay a high single digit EBIT multiple for a smaller business. And previously, it was probably a bit too dogmatic in sticking to a, you know, we need to see a single digit EBIT. Johnny Thompson's come in and said, yeah, that's great if we can acquire on single-digit multiples. But sometimes you get a fantastic business where you just need to pay a little bit more in order to get it. And that's what he's done. That's what he did with Windy City Wire. Made them a bit more pragmatic, I would say, in terms of its M&A. And going after even higher quality M&A targets, I would say Johnny Thompson. More proactive in sourcing deals. Also more focus on organic growth, more prioritization, working with the MDs of the individual businesses, and focusing their organic growth on the best opportunities. He strengthened tier one and tier two management. He's increased investment in tech and automation. So he's helped to professionalize Diploma. And the really exciting thing is that probably there's more to come and the best is still to come. In a recent call with Johnny Thompson, he said the group are currently operating at a three out of 10. To me, that suggests that there's still a lot more potential to improve things further. And I think the signs so far from him joining the business are very, very strong. And has the nature of the M&A changed as they've gotten larger? Have they focused on any particular area with the introduction of that new leadership mentality? They've become a bit more, in some ways, a bit more pragmatic, but in other ways, a bit more disciplined on only looking for targets that are right in their sweet spot in terms of good exposure to structural growth opportunities. So very good organic growth prospects. In the past, Diploma would sometimes go out and acquire a business on a six times EBIT multiple. Great, but didn't really grow much afterwards. So Johnny Thompson has come in and he said, look, we still need to acquire, but let's just raise the quality even more of the types of businesses we go for and look for those businesses that offer really compelling growth. So I'd say in that way, it's become a bit more focused around where is the growth going to come from for the next 10 or 20 years? Can we tap into whether it be renewable energy markets, the Windy City business that he acquired, you know, low voltage components sold into data centers, for example, other technology, building automation, other technology related areas that should grow more quickly. So I think he's gone after businesses that should offer a higher level of organic growth, sometimes just meaning to pay a little bit more. And to your other point around size, he's also shown a greater willingness to go larger in terms of the M&A targets. 
So for Windy City, they paid £357 million, and that was 11.5 times EBIT multiple. That's probably not a deal that they would have done under the previous management team. It's been a fantastic deal. It's succeeded all targets. It takes them into some really high growth segments like building automation, audio, video, security data centers. It's a lovely business. I think that's what Johnny Thompson brings to the M&A. I think the M&A was already good, but I think it steps up another gear since he joined. Maybe we can talk a bit about competition. I don't know if there's any particular competitors that they see frequently or if it's an incredibly fragmented industry. What does the competitive landscape look like in this business? It really varies depending on the division. Life sciences, I'd say the main competition here comes from life sciences businesses themselves setting up shops. Maybe they decide to distribute directly. These manufacturers could cut out the middleman. It doesn't happen very often, but where it does sometimes happen is where a healthcare manufacturer is acquired by a larger business. So say Johnson & Johnson or Danaher or whoever it is acquires one of these smaller businesses, they may already have their distribution set up in the countries that Diploma operates. So then the supplier doesn't need Diploma basically because it's now got that vertical integration that comes from part of being a bigger business. So in life science, that's where the main competition comes from, is from direct distribution rather than through using Diploma. In seals, they compete with commoditized distributors like Granger, who stock the most common high volume lines. But for other seals, slightly less common seals, Granger will buy from Diploma. And there are also a number of smaller mom and pop competitors in the area, but none of them will stock the full range of seals. So none of them really come close to Diploma in terms of its size in that aftermarket seals business. You also get some competition from original equipment manufacturers. So you can go direct in some instances to the OEM for the seal. So for example, a seal that comes from a Caterpillar machinery can go direct to Caterpillar, they'll have the seal, but there'll be a price premium for that. And they aren't really set up to provide that next day delivery that the repair shops need. It's not really a big competitor for them in the aftermarket business. And then in controls, it varies widely. There's no one competitor across the piece. But as I said earlier, Diploma has semi-exclusive agreements with manufacturers. So there's not that many other places you can go. But I'd say Controls is probably the more competitive out of the three. And let's maybe take a look at the balance sheet and capital allocation. Clearly, the preference here seems to be acquisitions. But in some instances, they're going to have excess capital. How are they generally funding acquisitions? And when they do generate cash flow, what are they doing with that cash beyond M&A? Well, first of all, probably best to say Diploma is exceptional cash generator. In terms of net income into free cash flow, you're looking at close to 100% uh, since 2005. So effectively converting pretty much all its profit into cash. So that has given it an enormous amount of cash to deploy. And it's done it extremely well. Since 2005, it's generated about 670 million of cumulative free cash flow and deployed about 770 million into acquisitions while sustaining a high teens return on capital, which includes all goodwill. The vast majority of that has been funded organically through internal cash flow, that M&A. Obviously, there's 100 million Delta there, that's 770 million deployed versus 670 free cash generated. It did fund its largest acquisition, Windy City, with a 10% equity placing. But that is the exception. The rest of it has been financed uh, internally through cash that the business has generated. It also does pay a dividend. 
which has grown most years. It's yielding about one and a half to two percent at the moment. You could argue that why does it pay a dividend? I mean, I'd probably prefer it not to. Maybe if they didn't pay a dividend, they wouldn't have had to do the ten percent equity placing for the biggest deal. But I don't mind them issuing equity for some of those bigger deals because, as you said before. Diploma trades on a far higher EBIT multiple than it does compared to the acquisitions that it's buying. So there's immediate arbitrage there. But in the main, it's internal cash and debt. It'll end this year below one and a half times leverage, which is easily serviceable given their cash flow. So it's got scope for further deals just using debt and cash flow. And then what does CapEx look like for this business, whether that's growth CapEx, sustainable CapEx, however you want to frame it? CapEx is low. Free cash flow in 2021 was about 100 million. I don't have the exact capex in front of me, but I'm going to take a guess at no more than 10, maybe even single digits. So you're not talking about a lot of capex. Because Diploma is a middleman, it's connecting suppliers with customers. The main capex outlay is distribution and warehousing rather than big manufacturing plants or anything like that. So we've talked a lot about what makes this a special business, but if you were to encapsulate that, as an investor and what makes you most excited about it, what would be that short pitch bull case for Diploma? Hopefully you've got an idea that Diploma is a high quality distributor, value add distributor. The motor is reasonably strong. The competition isn't overly onerous. So you've got a very solid business there. I suppose the question then is, what's the growth look like? What are the growth prospects? Forget acquisition for a minute. The organic growth prospects are extremely good for Diploma for the next five or 10 years. So there's three ways that they can grow, main ways. Product expansion, geographic expansion, and the structural growth from the markets that they operate in. Each of Diploma's end markets are highly fragmented and offer plenty of adjacent markets to explore. So think about all the components on a piece of Caterpillar kit, for example, Diploma supplying the seals and the gaskets and what have you, but there's no reason why they can't increase the number of products they supply into that kit. Same in life sciences, there are loads of products that surgeons need. Diploma supplies a small proportion of them, but it can keep adding new suppliers and it can keep on broadening its product range. In terms of geographies, Diploma's lightly penetrated across the US and most of Europe, not to mention internationally. In the US, they've just recently completed an $8 million investment in a new distribution facility in Louisville, Kentucky. That facility opens up access across more of industrial America on a later day cutoff for next day delivery. Effectively, that makes them more accessible and cost effective to customers on the West Coast, the Midwest and the Northeast. So that over the next three to five years, that distribution facility is now operational. That should provide excellent scope for market share gains, basically through expanding out into the US more. And then in terms of structural growth, all of Diploma's markets are well positioned. You've got the US infrastructure bill, which should support the SEALs business. In controls, Diploma's positioned itself in a number of structural growth niches, renewables, data centers, life sciences. You've got the benefit of aging populations. You've got increased healthcare spending. And again, you've got the fact that Diploma has positioned themselves in faster growing niches, such as diagnostics and endoscopy. So add all that up. And I think you've got a business that can grow organically, top line at mid to high single digits for a long time to come. And then you've got acquisitions on top. Diploma is one of the best acquirers I've ever come across. And whether it's a large or a small deal, Diploma target a 20% return on capital within three to five years. 
And that's very, very good. And it just shows that they can continue to acquire at, at decent multiples. You see in many acquirers the ability to deploy large amounts of capital at low returns often, but you don't often see the ability to deploy large amounts of capital at high rates of return. So diplomas managed to succeed in doing both, and I expect it to continue. So if you add up the organic and inorganic prospects across the cycle, probably double-digit earnings growth is a realistic expectation. The really exciting thing is you've got a very high-quality business, a business that's hard to disrupt with very good growth on top, both from organic and inorganic means. And then in contrast, we haven't talked a lot about the risks to this story. What do you think the key risks are in each vertical? And what keeps you up at night when you're evaluating this as a potential investment? Business risk is something I'm massively focused on. So before I invest in any business, I run every business through a 58-point risk checklist. I assess things like cyclicality, customer and supplier concentration, moat management. Diploma does score well. It does score very well because it's highly diverse. There's no customer that's more than 1.5% of sales. It's operating in developed markets. It's got good, stable, growing niches, and it's got low leverage. So it does score well. But there are obviously some risks to account for. Probably the biggest risk that I worry about is the culture changing. The culture has been a huge part of Diploma's success with all these distinct individual businesses, trying to keep them independent and incentivized, but also helping them from the center is a tricky balance. It's about maintaining the decentralization, but also holding their hand and helping them at times, but not being seen to intrude too much. There's not an easy balance to get right. I think Johnny Thompson's very conscious of that. When I speak to him, he says, look, I'm the guy that's most likely to mess things up. And I'm glad he realizes that because he's, he's absolutely right. Culture can be destroyed quickly by the wrong person being in charge. Thankfully, Diploma had somebody in charge they didn't think was right and acted. He was let go. But there's always a risk that culture can change. I don't see any sign of it at the moment, but it's something to monitor. Probably the biggest overall business risk is just an economic downturn. Although Diploma is supplying essential products funded by customers' operating budgets, it's not immune to the economic cycle. These purchases can be temporarily deferred. So in 2009, light flight revenues and operating profit fell by 12 and 10% respectively. Life sciences proved resilient in the financial crisis. Organic sales were flat. But controls, organic sales fall 15%, and seals saw the biggest decline, organic sales down 21% in 2009. It is serving some cyclical end markets, infrastructure, construction being big ones, industrial cycle generally. If those markets turn down, diploma will be impacted. It probably is a bit less cyclical now than it was. So in the pandemic, light for light sales fell by 7%. It is more diversified in terms of products and end market and geography. And it's got more exposure to structural growth markets, but in no way is it immune from the economic cycle. So that's a risk factor that can't really be avoided. Another one is the loss of key suppliers. Diploma does have longer-term contracts with many of its suppliers. It has decade-long relationships in many cases, but it will sometimes lose suppliers. At the moment, no single supplier represents more than 6% of group revenue, and only four suppliers are more than 2% each of group sales. So the risk is there. It certainly is there, but there's no one supplier that's going to bring the house down. That largest supplier at 6% of sales has been with the group since 1992, and the relationship is very strong. 
or how vast management could diploma be disrupted. There was a lot of worries a few years ago or some worries a few years ago that Amazon could disrupt the business and start distributing a lot more of these seals itself. It hasn't happened. I think the risk of that happening is pretty low. It seemed to be a time a few years ago where everyone was worried that Amazon would disrupt everything. So it probably played out in some areas, but not in others. It certainly hasn't played out in seals. We're talking here about diplomas aftermarket seal business, which as I said, stocks about 70 to 80,000 seals, a very, very wide range of stock. Amazon probably stocks a couple of hundred. The chance of Amazon having the precise seal that's needed is very small. Sometimes these repair shops need to call up. They're not quite sure what seal they require. So they need to call up Diploma, speak to a specialist. Diploma offers that. That's not really Amazon's business model. Diploma can deliver everything in one package and it can tell you where the seal should go on the machinery. Hard for Amazon to automate that. It could happen, but hard. The other thing Diploma provides is a lot of information on each seal, which has been built up over decades. The sheer number of seals, complex markets, sometimes you'll have the same seal sold under different names. You need to know what you're buying with accurate information. And Amazon doesn't offer that. Diploma does. Diploma has that information attached to each seal effectively. Any business can be disrupted. Diploma's business could be disrupted. It's possible that Amazon makes a greater play in this area, but I think there's a few things that should help to lessen the risk. Obviously, a risk is they overpay for acquisitions. Historic deals, five to eight times EBIT for the smaller ones. Recent deals have been a bit bigger, a bit more expensive, but in the main, Diploma has managed to acquire at cheap multiples, Competition from private equity is higher compared to five or 10 years ago. Diploma itself is a bigger business. It needs to start thinking about some larger deals. There is a risk that it could lose its discipline. Under Johnny Thompson, that's unlikely. I think if he were to leave, it would depend on who they brought in, but it does rely obviously heavily on the person in charge to maintain that discipline. But certainly, I don't see any sign at the moment that they are dropping their discipline. If anything, I think they're becoming more disciplined in terms of the quality of the businesses they look for. And then valuation, Diploma is one of these growth businesses that has been sold off. It's around a high 20s earnings multiple. It was on a mid-30s multiple prior to the sell-off in growth businesses. If this continues, you're going to probably see the shares derate further. I think the long-term compounding of the business is the thing to focus on. You could have paid 70 times earnings for Diploma back in 2010 and still more than doubled your money. But you need to wait for that long-term compounding to take effect. But obviously, if the sell-off in growth stocks continues, then Diploma will probably not be immune to that. Supply chain pressures haven't really manifested too much. Pricing inflation has been well-managed so far. I think the value-add service model gives them some pricing powers. Not easy for them. Not easy for any business to deal with this level of inflation and supply chain disruption, but they're doing a very good job. And it's not really overly exposed to any one commodity aside from copper in the Windy City business, but they can pass that on very quickly. They turn their inventory very quickly. There's very little lag in passing on higher copper prices within that business. Well, Charlie, we like to end these conversations with some lessons. So as you've looked at Diploma over the years, what have been the key takeaways, key lessons that you've had, whether it's as an investor or maybe thinking about it from a management team perspective, what would you share as a lesson from looking at Diploma? A few different lessons, I would say. Providing components that are critical to the end application, but a tiny part of the cost gives you, in many cases, a very good moat on pricing power, especially if you layer on value-added services as Diploma has done. 
So I think that's a great thing for investors to look out for just more generally. It's something that I will tend to look for in any business. What's the cost of what it's supplying versus the cost of what it's protecting in many ways? The importance of capital allocation, obviously. You go back 25 years, Diploma didn't really have a business. I said in the late 90s that it really was struggling and it was going through a very tough time. Very shrewd acquisitions and disposals, deploying large amounts of capital at high returns. Many businesses can do one but not the other. Many businesses are very bad acquirers because they don't really understand what they're buying or they buy low quality businesses or they can't integrate them. But if you can find a business that can allocate capital well and acquire well, it's an enormous advantage and it will invariably lead to upside surprise, let's say, and high levels of compounding over a long period of time. I think the other thing that having such a good capital allocator does, it makes the business more resilient and adaptable. Management can see around corners for you, position the business accordingly. For example, if they can acquire their way into a fast-growing niche and they can dispose of businesses where they see the moats weakening. And it's why I always place capital allocation skills right at the top of my wish list when looking at companies to invest in. I think also the power of decentralization, we see it in other businesses, Berkshire Hathaway, Constellation Software. In the UK, you've got lights of Bunzel and Halmer. Decentralization works really well when it's done right because you retain the agility, autonomy, entrepreneurialism as you grow in size. That's one of the great challenges for businesses is when they scale, they lose what it is that made them successful in the first place. I think Charlie Munger says, bureaucracy is like cancer, avoid it like the plague. Most businesses get more bureaucratic as they get bigger and they become vulnerable. Decentralized businesses tend not to because each company within the group is independent. They can scale themselves. The overall business can scale without these smaller businesses becoming that much bigger. So it just makes it easier to scale. We see that time and again. I think that's a great lesson to take from Diploma. Also, what we've seen with Diploma is the ability to not only withstand a crisis, but emerge stronger. We saw it in the financial crisis. We saw it again in the pandemic. Diploma wasn't immune to the economy turning down, but it was a lot more resilient than most. And that allowed it to gain share coming out of the downturn. So 2009, where it saw double-digit organic growth decline, that was followed by two years of double-digit organic growth. And Diploma was soon back on the acquisition trail. And that's a key thing to look for for any company you invest in. Can it not only survive a crisis, but come out stronger? I always want to see businesses that can come out stronger. You go into a downturn, the share price falls, but the intrinsic value often goes up because the business can gain share. And that's what Diploma has done time and time again. And then probably a big lesson for operators is don't be afraid to let people go that don't fit the culture. It can cause a lot of damage having the wrong people in the wrong positions for too long. You'll normally find that businesses with distinct cultures will move heaven and earth to maintain that culture. And Diploma's board did that when they recognized it wasn't working with Richard Ingram. They acted quickly. And I don't know where Diploma would be now if they hadn't have done that. I think it would still be okay, but I don't think it would be as well positioned as it is now. It's probably an important question for every operator to ask themselves is, if you're not willing to let people go, do you have a distinct culture? I would argue you probably don't. Well, Charlie, thank you. You've taken what's a rather mundane business and presented the economic case, the business case in quite a compelling way. Appreciate you taking the time today and looking forward to continuing to see this diploma story unfold. It's been a pleasure. To find more episodes of Breakdowns ranging from Costco to Visa to Moderna, or to sign up for our weekly summary, check out joincolossus.com. That's J-O-I-N-C-O-L-O-S-S-U-S dot com. 